Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. So as Pastor Christy said, I have the, uh, the honor today to talk about sharing Jesus confidently. And um, we're going to talk a bit about the preparation of the heart in that. Um, I think it's really important when we do talk about uh, Jesus and when we do share the gospel to people, we need to prepare our heart to, to share it, not from our own person, but from the Holy Spirit within us. So we're going to approach it from that angle. Um, before we do, I just want to honor um, Pastor Christy and Pastor Yui because they not only do they love people, um, and just get around and support people. But when the time is right as well, they discipline in love as well. When I do something, when I do something wrong, you know, in the, the few times that I've accidentally punched a kid or, or so, you know, something crazy, they have, um, they have disciplined me in love as well. But that, that discipline is a crucial part of, uh, of the discipleship journey. And it's something that has absolutely helped me to grow and to become a better leader. Um, and it's something that I'm so thankful for. Um, and I, I just really appreciate it. So I just wanted to honor you guys and say thank you. Um, so, yeah, you can give it a round of applause. Um, same for Pastor Kate. I don't know where she is at the moment, but she's amazing. We love her so much as well. Um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump straight in. We're going we're gonna to start by reading Mark 4, 26 to 29. With anyone who has a Bible, that doesn't look like many, but it's okay. If you have a phone, there's an app. You can download it. It's pretty good. But we're going we're gonna to read Mark 4, 26 to 29. Um, Oh, the slide looks all right. I think it looked, it turned out well, boys. <laughs> you know, we were worried about the uh, aspect ratio and everything turning out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's all um, boring graphic designer stuff. All right, jumping in. This is what it says. He also said that this is what the kingdom of light, this is the parable of the growing seed. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full, full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grape is right, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The title of this message is We Don't Know How. So maybe just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, we don't know how. I'm just going to pray so if everyone can close their eyes. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you would... Um, give us this space, this amazing church building, um, but Lord, for the amazing church congregation we have as your bride, and we just pray, Lord, would you help um, in this moment us to, to just receive, if you have something for us, Holy Spirit, would you speak it? And I pray that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours, Jesus, in, my, in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Has anyone ever tried to make something happen before? Hands up if you have. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty certain it's everyone. Um, well, when I was about eight years old, I decided I would try to make something happen. Um, my brother, he, uh, he, he was a bit of a skateboarder back in the day. He was riffing up out the front. He was, you know, doing some curb ollies and stuff. And he went for one on this particular day. And um, whatever, I don't know what the reasoning was, but he, he just slipped and fell. And he landed on his elbow and he broke it. It was sad. It was tragic. Mum took him to the hospital. Thanks, Mum. We love you. Um, and when he got to the hospital, you know, he had to have surgery on his arm and he came home. And this is the part that I remember vividly in my mind. He came home and uh, he walked in the door and mum was like, you know, because you've broken your elbow, you're going to have to have three days off school to recover. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I guess that's fair, you know. 
break your elbow, you get three days of school. That's fine. It's fine. It's cool. And then she goes, you know what? Um, also, we've got some rallies coming over, and they've got some gifts for you. And I was like, that's justified. That's justified. You know, he's broken his elbow. You just help a brother out, you know. And so they come over, and they bring him. They dared to bring him, I should say. The one thing that I had absolutely longed for in my life, um, outside of Jesus, um, and it was this magazine. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's called K-Zone Magazine. Has anyone heard of that? These things were, I kid you not, they were the epitome of magazines. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, Better Homes and Garden, that was in like one league, but then there was K-Zone in another league, and that was just insane. They had these little like packages, and inside there was a magazine, and there was like some slime, or like maybe a technological um, advancement in the, in the, in the toy world, um, such as like a spy gadget or something, and I, I, just did, I just adored these. Every time we went to Woolies, I was like, oi, mum, mum, and she was like, no, you can have vegetables. And I was like, well, what is this world? And so I remember they brought him these K-Zone magazines. They also gave him three days off school. And I was like, you know, I, I was a smart kid. I did some maths in my head. I ran the numbers. I calculated. And I came up with a solution. We are solutioners at Oasis Church, aren't we? Just put your hand up. So I, I went into my sister's room. She had the bounciest bed in the house. And I stood on that bed. She doesn't. I don't think she knows this story, actually. <laughs> Thanks for your bed, Jazz. Um, so I stood on her bed, and I was testing out the bounce. And I was like, okay. Well, I need my arms, because I've got to write. I've got to eat food. I don't want to be spoon-fed. That's not going to be pretty. Um, I, also, I also need my, my legs, I think, as well, just to walk. I don't really want crutches. And so at this time in my life, being super smart, I also didn't realize the function of the nose yet. I was like nine years old, didn't realize the function of the nose. I didn't realize you could breathe through it. I just thought it was there for complexion. And so for me, I was like, well, I'm willing, I'm willing to give it up. I could go without my nose for a bit. So bouncing on a bed, getting up and down. I don't know why I'm actually bouncing right now. Um, I noticed across from her bed, there was a small table, probably about the size of this. And I, I, I looked at it, did the numbers, and I was like, all right. And you know in the Bible when Jesus, uh, sorry, not when Jesus, but it's, it talks about in the Old Testament, there was a, there was a guy who prayed and the, the day slowed down. I'm pretty sure that happened again, maybe 30 seconds. I was jumping on this bed. I saw the table and I jumped and majestically like a gazelle in the air, time slowing down, I came close to the table and I just went and just smacked it. That was supposed to be actually a louder bang, um, but my, my mouth didn't give way to it. I smacked my face on the table and to my surprise, I don't know why I didn't think this would happen, but I had blood coming out of my nose and I realized this was a serious matter. So I ran to my mum and I was like, oh, mum, you would not believe it. <laughs> um, uh, my nose, I, th I think I've broken it. She was like, all right, okay, we'll, we'll run you to the hospital. Long story short, my nose must be made out of some sort of concrete. Um, it, stayed, it stayed the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. <laughs> And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't quite get to the K Zone magazines. Um, but have you ever tried to make something happen? Hands up. Yeah, we've done that before, right? Well, we read in this parable, Mark 26, uh, sorry, 4:26 to 29, the parable of the growing seed. Um, <laughs> we read in this parable. It says this in 26: A man scatters seed on the ground, and verse 27 it says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Let me just read that again. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know now how. 
Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't read that and then walk away and go, all right, well, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't say there that he stood and screamed at the seed for it to grow. He was just like, ah! And the seed just magically just, poof. And then Jack came up, climbed the beanstalk. It, was, it doesn't even say that he, st- he stood there and just in tongues just went like, la, 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 la. I don't, I'm not going to speak in tongues, but he, you know, like she bought a Honda. Um, it doesn't say that either. Whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. So I've got four tips, everyone, um, today. So if you have notes and if you're taking them, um, you are the elite. No, you're not. Um, but thank you. Um, the first tip, tip number one, is Jesus is the Savior. The title and authority of Savior belongs solely to Jesus. He died on the cross, not you. So just a little tip. This is, you can have this for free. It's extracurricular. But um, I, I think sometimes when we try to fulfill a role that is only intended for God, designed and intended for Himself, we fall short. You know, Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's role. If we try to convict someone, that's often where they feel shame and condemnation. So we can't fulfill a role that is designed and specifically intended by God for God. And he holds the title and the authority of Savior. In the context of salvation, it is not our job to make it happen. However, it is our privilege to sow seed. On a practical level, uh, you have the opportunity when evangelizing to love someone as Christ does, to share what he has done for us and to reflect his character. But as much as it is your responsibility to love someone, it is not your responsibility to, to make them believe. That's between them and Jesus. Yes, we sow seed, but it's God's role alone to bring life from it. In Luke 8, 5 to 8, in the NIV, it says this. Uh, this is the parable of the sower, so they kind of tie together a little bit. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell along uh, among thorns, which grew um, grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. In verse twelve, Jesus goes on to explain to the disciples uh, a bit more of the seed's journey, and he goes into detail in that. But I, I really want to follow uh, and focus, I guess, on the. Um, the chronology of this parable for a second. The first thing that Jesus shares in this uh, is the role of the farmer. In verse 5 it says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. The farmer's role was to sow. That was the farmer's role. Second to this he shares the seed's journey. And he says, in verse 5 again, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. I think sometimes we can make associations that the, the lack of growth in the seed was because of the, the farmer's lack of intention and he's just sporadic scattering. He's not really caring about where it's going, what ground it's falling on. But never in this parable is that the conclusion. It doesn't say that. It, when we go further, this is what Jesus says. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy and uh, when they're hearing, but they have no root. The belief, uh, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, uh, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. 
For the seed on good soil stands for those who have a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving it, produce a crop. The focus in Jesus' explanation isn't on the farmer's scattering, but it's on the, the receiver's heart posture. He doesn't blame the farmer. We sow seed, but the salvation's work is Christ alone. All right, tip number two. Jesus is the author. Turn the person next to you and say, Jesus is the author. In Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it says this. Therefore, we are, uh, so, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, and in other translations it says author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If it, uh, Jesus is the author and perfecter, it is not our job to control or to make the plan for someone's journey to salvation in Christ. Jesus is not hit and miss with his storytelling. He's, he's the greatest storyteller of all time. Um, you know, and and we shouldn't, we shouldn't actually always perceive his storytelling um, as something that, you know, is less than or is is not as good as our own. So learn to trust him. And, and maybe it's a journey for you. Maybe you're, you know, like, oh, I don't, I can't, I can't, trust doesn't come easy for me. I don't know if I can trust him straight away. That's okay to be in that space. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, when I was processing. God doesn't intend for you to be exactly perfect when he comes in to have a relationship with you. He's not intending for you to come in and be pretty much the most Christ-like you could ever be. Because he, he wants you to start somewhere. And usually he wants us to start so that he can, he can come in and help us. And he wants to love us. That's how intimacy is built. You don't build a relationship at 100%. You build a relationship at ground zero. And then from zero, you work to 100%. And he loves you enough that he wants to guide you. He wants to help you. He wants to walk you through this journey. And he doesn't expect you to be perfect. I hope that releases some people. Um, a seed, no matter how big or small it is, no matter how you may perceive it, is still a seed. And just so you know, mustard trees are growing from some of the smallest of seeds. It's his seed that you then sow, and that, that is by the Holy Spirit. And then he then grows according to his plan. Tip three. Everyone say tip three. The heart is not always instant. Whoop, that went sideways. <laughs> Evangelism is never about instant fruit. If it was, God would have given us a tree and not a seed. Just putting it out there. I'm not saying God can't do instant. It's within his nature. Um, he's so many omnis, omni, omnipotent, <laughs> omnipresent. There's probably, you know, there's hundreds of them. Um, he can do instant if he wants to. But when we focus on immediate gratification, when we make our goal the instant there, then, and now, we can miss the opportunity to love those who are on a journey. Have you ever tried to force something? <laughs> um, I remember, I, I think it was about a, probably about a year ago, I was, uh, I was walking through Coles and I was desiring, you know, I was, on a, I was out on a self-date, if you will. I was going out. Um, you know, the, the, the land was a little bit lonely at that point in time. Um, <laughs> um, and then I met. Uh, 
Uh, so anyway, I was, uh, I was, you know, I was like, oh, I might, I might head up to Kings Park and just sit and watch the city. Um, I thought that was like, you know, going to catch all the ladies, but really it was quite lonely. Um, however, what I did is I was like, I'm going to go to the shops. I'm going to buy some, some, some sort of drink, and I'm going to go sit up there. Um, and so I went to, to Coles, and I grabbed the biggest apple juice I could find in the world. Some of you are probably already thinking, oh, no. Um, for those who don't know, apple juice has a laxative effect. And I grabbed the biggest one I could possibly find. It was a liter and a half. And I remember not knowing this in my mind. I took it up to Kings Park. And I was sitting there, you know, lying down on the grass, watching the city, the lights, everything's perfect. I'm having my apple juice. And now, I, you know, I get to a point where I'm like halfway through. I'm like, I'm pretty proud of myself at this point. Uh, I wouldn't tell everyone at Kings Park. But I was, I was feeling pretty accomplished in myself. And then I saw the extra half of the bottle, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to force the commitment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it, full send it right now. And again, I don't know what apple juice you know, entails. Um, I, won't give you, I, I don't want to give you the details. You don't want to know. You don't want to know what happened. But pretty much that night when I got home, my body fell apart um, in, in simple terms. But... Um, <laughs> Us forcing someone to believe in Christ can be similar. <laughs> here we are, here we are, here we are, here we are. It's a sweet start. Yeah. But then you try to force a commitment and it can have a horrific ending. You know, if someone's a visual learner, I'm, just, I'm praying that God would just completely shut off your mind. Um, Last year, I had the incredible opportunity to, um, to serve as a part of a team called Red Frogs. Um, and every year, they go into, uh, they actually help put on this uh, non-alcoholic and drug-free event for the, the leavers who are going out and want to party. This started because um, there was a whole bunch of leavers who would just go out, get wasted in the streets, and just do things that were absolutely horrific. So they were like, we need to create a space that's promoting good and healthy values within a place that doesn't promote or value good and healthy things. Um, so they started this thing called The Zone, and WA State Police and, police and Red Frogs have been running it. Um, and so I went along, and I was serving, and the whole thing is that, like, you know, we're all Christians, so we all pray, we all spend time uh, just worshipping Jesus and, and aligning ourselves with um, Him before we go out. Um, but every single time someone comes up to us, our goal isn't to share the gospel unless they ask. It's just to love them. And that's our goal. Um, anyway, at the start of the week, I was uh, staying in the Red, Red Frogs accommodation. They have this, like, they book out a whole resort, and there's no one else is allowed to stay there because you're a Red Frog. Um, and what I noticed is I sat down on my porch, and I saw these boys that weren't Red Frogs. They were just sitting there. And I was like, lads, what are we doing? How did we get here? And they told me their story. You know, they were like, oh, we got, we got links in. The hotel manager knows our mum, who knows our sister, who knows our dog. And then the dog goes to a vet who knows our teacher. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a story. Um, but these boys were telling me their story, and every single day I had the opportunity. And I was just, I was just going out. I was just having fun with them. We'd go play cricket, we'd chat, we'd have a yarn. Uh, one day they offered me some sausages, but I don't know if I trust their cooking as much. Um, so I, I said no. Um, sometimes I still think about, <laughs> about those sausages. <laughs> what could have been? All right, anyway. Um, but I saw them every day. I spent time with them every day. And um, at the end of the week, you know, every single night the zone was on, and everyone would come in and be a part of this, uh, this experience. And every single night, I'd see these boys come in. 
And I'd say, hey, how are you going? We'd have a bit of a chat and they'd proceed on, go in and do their thing. And then on the last night, every single day I was thinking, God, why, why am I seeing these boys all the time? I was like, you know, like I, I just see them every single day. And if I ever try to start a conversation up, I just feel like it's not the right place. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. And on the last night, one of the boys, at the very end of the night, this is like 3 a.m. in the morning, they came up to me. And one of the boys comes up to me and he goes, you know, he's got his mate around his arm and he goes, Ben, Ben, we need to, we need to get him to the med tent. Um, for the sake of the story, I'll call him Jimmy. Um, wherever Jimmy is, I love you, bro. It's not about you. Um, anyway, he's like, oh, you know, my mate Jimmy, uh, we need to get him to the med tent right now. This is urgent. And I was like, lads, you're funny. This is hilarious. Um, I don't, that was probably a little bit insincere of me. Um, ENFP is my thing, but I, I didn't really perform that way. Um, these boys came to me and, they, you know, I, I looked at him and, and then I realized he's, he was like, he was, I won't give you graphic detail, but he was, he was choking on his own breath. He wasn't able to breathe. Um, and he was showing signs and symptoms of a seizure. Um, however, he wasn't having one. It was just this incredibly um, daunting experience watching him. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is serious. And he was like, yeah. So we rushed him to the med tent. We got him into the med tent and he went in, uh, saw a medical officer. And while he was seeing a medical officer, he did come out okay at the end. He was all right. While he was seeing a medical officer, his mate, uh, let's call him Brad. What's up, bro? Um, Brad comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, just so you know, I, I, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I just want to let you know that, um, you know, Jimmy and I were talking when it started to unfold, when it started to unravel. I was like, hey, Jimmy, we need to go see a medical officer right now. And he was like, nah, no way, I'm not seeing a medical officer. And he was like, all right, well, can we take you to the police and we'll get the police to take you to you know, the meds, can you go that way? And he was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go see the police either. I don't want to see the police. And he was like, all right, well, can we get us boys? Can we go with you? And he was like, no, I don't want to go. And he was like, all right, well, what if, um, what if we get a medical officer to come to you? And he was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I'm not going. And he was like, what if we get a red frog and we'll bring the red frog to you and he can take you to the med tent? And, you know, Jimmy was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. No ways. And then he was like, well, what if we go get Ben, uh, one of the red frogs, and we get him to come with you? And he was like, yeah, right. I'll do that. I'll go. I'll go. And th this isn't to, you know, I'm not trying to seek any gratification for myself right now. This isn't anything to do with me. But what I noticed is that that whole week, God had cre created deliberately space for me to, to be a present, just to be present, to love, and to be com committed, um, not to be absent, but to be alongside these boys. And by the end of the week, I realized that that last moment, I realized, I was like, I was able to be in a space that this boy would trust me enough to get him where he needed to go in the right time when he wouldn't trust anyone else. And that's, you know, he didn't, it wasn't immediately salvation, but it was still a seed and God still used it in that moment. And who knows, 10, 15 years from now, he might actually go, you know what? I remember that Christian man who was with me and I remember what he did for me. I remember that love that he showed. I don't remember who he was or what he looked like, but I do remember the love he showed, that he showed Christ's love, and he might go back to church looking for that same love. You don't know. You don't know. The little you perceive may be the big they need. Who are we to judge how big or small the impact of our seed sowing will be? That is God's role alone. In 1934, uh, a man named Albert McMakin... Um, he, he was this newly, uh, well, he was just new to the faith. He was a new Christian. Um, and he, he heard about this evangelist coming to town and they were, um, going to be speaking on several nights across the week. So he was like, you know, what? I'm going to get all of my friends to come and be a part of this. I really want them to come in and to be involved. 
um, and he had one friend in particular that he really wanted to come. He was like, I, you know, like, I want everyone to be there, but I really want this one guy to come. And so he asked everyone, he asked the guy, and the guy was like, nah, man, <laughs> I'm not keen. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. And he was like, well, what if, um, what if, you know, we just sorted out a vehicle. What if you just drive? I, I don't want you, you don't have to come in. What if you just drive the vehicle and come along? And the guy was like, you, you know what? Yeah, I'll drive for you guys, but I'm not coming in. I'm just going to drive there. Um, and anyway, the week went on. So he drove them every single day. And the week went on. And it got to a point in the week where this young man who was driving the vehicle decided, you know what? I'm a bit curious. I'm going to go in. I'm going to be a part of this. I just want to see what it's all about. Everyone keeps talking about it. You know, everyone keeps telling me about it. I keep getting invites. So I'm just going to go and check it out, see what it is. He went in. And um, at the end of the week, this young man decided to make a decision for Christ. Um, and since that point to this date, that same young man has impacted and personally shared the gospel with over 200 million people and has shared the gospel with a predicted half of the world's population via technological means. So I'm talking PowerPoint presentations, uh, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And this young man was Billy Graham. One of the greatest, well, arguably the greatest evangelist of our time. And Albert McMakin's seed was simply just loving Billy Graham, loving this young man enough to persevere in kindness and in humility. We aren't tree planters, we are seed sowers. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wrap up quick. Uh, if anyone's falling asleep, just punch them. Um, in, in love, do it in love. Fight for people, not against. This is, tip, this is tip number four. Fight for people, not against. I feel like I didn't emphasize a comma there. So I'm just going to say it again. Fight for people and not against. I don't know about you, but I don't remember the Bible saying anyone who hears of Jesus or hears about you know, Jesus and what he did for us is going to instantly accept Jesus. They're going to have an on-the-spot encounter with him. They're going to become Christians. They're going to come up, lead the service. They're going to run to, to the Lord with all of their might. But what I do remember the Bible saying is the first and greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second, which is like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Securing salvation must never take priority over loving a person. What do I mean by this? Love as Christ does, and from this love do all things. And I'm not talking about a submissive love that is, you know, fearful and doesn't, doesn't push, doesn't, doesn't give people opportunity because they're afraid or they don't want to, you know, make people feel uncomfortable. But I am talking about a love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 8, this is some of its attributes. It is selfless, it is patient, and it's always rejoicing with the truth. The greatest truth that someone can ever encounter is that Jesus died on the cross for their sin, and he loves them. Evangelism, coming to the end shortly, evangelism is to share the gospel message, yes, but more than words on a page or a script that you can repeat to someone, the gospel message is about a God who so deeply and wonderfully loved you and me that he sacrificed his only son in humility and for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So how can we share the gospel message if not in first love, then in humility, sacrifice, and for joy with endurance? I'm going to say it again. 
How can we share the gospel message if not first in love, sacrifice, humility, endurance, and with joy? If I can have the worship team come up. We find um, joy in simply sowing. When we find joy in simply sowing, we realize that God never intended for evangelism to be a burden. Um, but actually, it's a gift. Um, it's an invitation to be intimate with Christ as sons and daughters, witnessing the joy of other sons and daughters wake up and come alive in the goodness of our God, finding His joy for themselves. So my, t- my four tips. Tip one, Jesus is the Savior. Tip two, Jesus is the author. Tip three, the heart isn't always instant. And tip four, fight for people not against. You're not expected to know how, but you are graced to go now. Um, if I can have everyone stand to your feet. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. That's good. Um, I just want to, I just want to, I'm going to, we're going to pray in a second. I want to pray, um, I guess, commissioning you guys to, to go out and evangelize, to, to, you know, God's already commissioned you, but I just, I just want to give people an opportunity to, to really step into that, to step into evangelism, to go, you know what, in this moment, I resonate with the message and I, I, I feel like this is for me and I want to step out. It's, it's for everyone. Evangelism is for everyone. Um, but, but maybe you're here and you're like, oh, man, like I work, to, I work, at, uh, I work at Pet Bar 9 to 5 and I'm not in ministry, you know, I'm not actually a pastor or anything. Um, and so I don't really know how this applies to me. Well, there's good news. Um, Jesus never just solely called the pastors or the ministers. He actually called his sons and daughters. That, that means you and me. It doesn't, it doesn't mean Pastor Christian, Pastor Yui alone. That is a burden that is unfair to just leave on them. That's, it's, that's when it becomes a burden, when we make it about us and we make it about just us and no one else. But when we share it, when we go out and we evangelize, it's something to find joy in. 